Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Hey friends, and welcome to the kickoff of what is sure to be an inspirational series on courage. Of course, the concept of courage means something different to all of us, and these stories are as varied as our definitions. For our guiding quote, Dr. Maya Angelou leads our thinking with this statement, courage is the most important of the virtues because without it, no other virtue can be practiced consistently. Each of our guests in this series has a story of consistently practicing courage in their own way and that are sure to inspire us. And our kickoff guest is one that deeply inspires me. Dr. Shantae Garrett is an instructional leader with building and district level experience in transforming schools. She's designed curriculas, developed and implemented instructional initiatives, helped develop district policies, promoting teacher quality and student access to opportunities and supported teachers and administrators in closing achievement gaps, increasing growth and proficiency. Dr. Garrett in ASCD Emerging and faculty member leads a K-12 charter school in Eastern North Carolina. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Shantae's path into education and the courage her parents demonstrated in their own lives, inspiring her on her own courageous path. We talk about her experience sharing her voice to be an advocate for equity and the way she chose to develop a platform for real change. And we dive into the courage Dr. Shantae practices to learn about herself as a leader and to advocate for her needs so that she can be the strongest version yet. What a true honor to have this conversation with a deeply inspirational and effective leader. I have long appreciated her message, our connection, and now I am elated to share with you Dr. Shantae Garrett's courage story. Welcome, Dr. Shantae Garrett, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. How are you today, my friend? I will. I'm excited to be in conversation with you. A huge fan. That's awesome. Okay, so our listeners are just going to love this conversation. I know it. Would you do me a favor? And if for some crazy reason there's a listener out there that's not familiar with you, would just give them a little bit about your current context and what you're up to in this world? Absolutely. Um, my name, of course, is Shantae Garrett. Um, I serve as superintendent um, of a K-12 charter campus in North Carolina um, and love that um, I get to facilitate, create, um, and drive spaces of opportunity for students um, and sometimes students that may not often have them. And so that's my passion. Um, and I love the fact that I get up to every day and I'm able to do that and also to be in a position to, to share that work. Um, I consider that to be my equity work and my hard work, um, with other educators. It's beautiful. And I'm so excited to unpack that and just to talk about your journey. And we have you featured here on the series on courage. And I'm really believing that there's a deep mission in your message. And honestly, I'm just going to let listeners know we have tried so hard to get this message to you, Dr. Shantae, and I have had to reschedule and we've had this conversation once and we are rehaving this conversation. But that just tells me that persevering through all those challenges is going to be really, really well worth it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my friends. So we Would you just give us a little bit of background? How did you get into the field of education? We'd love to hear about that. I I came into the field of education because I'm my mother's daughter. Um, My mother, Dr. Alice Garrett, is a 40 plus year career educator 
um, and still takes every opportunity that she has now to serve youth throughout the community um, and, and is probably lead educator of the youth of our family. Um, and so I grew up going to work with her and said I was the kid that that went to school on teacher work days um, and also seeing the impact that she was able to make on her students, many of which we are still in contact with um, because they just loved being a part of her community. Um, and and that has that drove my passion for being an educator in my interest, I'll put say my interests, um, but over my career, I've become more passionate as I've grown closer to being the educator that I believe I can be um, and who I desire to be. And so that's, that's kind of, um, did I get you, did I answer? You did. And I always think it's cool because the first time we talked, I got to hear about your dad a little bit too. And I just think that's a really cool part of your courage story. You want to share a little bit about his impact on you? Yes. Yes. And so thank you for reminding me. Absolutely. When we, um, I think the educator that I strive to be is based on the impact of both my parents, my mom being the first um, member of her family to graduate high school and to graduate with an advanced degree, even after being told she wasn't college material. Um, and then there's my dad, who was the first black bus driver in his rural community um, and was denied his high school diploma because he refused to stop driving the black students to class, to school. And he was their access to high school because at that time, you know, past grade eight, you didn't necessarily get access to high school. Um, he refused to stop driving the black students to school in order um, to fulfill the obligation of driving the white students to school. And for that reason, he was denied his high school diploma. And he would go on at the age of 48 to finish um, Mega Everest College. Um, and so extremely proud, but both of my parents teaching me the importance of education as a means of access to the opportunities that I deserved um, and using those opportunities as using their life and experiences as context to help me understand, you know, you're going to have to work hard. You know, anything is possible. You'll have to work hard. You'll have to manage the, the inequities and the injustices. And this is how. So I learned how to advocate because my parents were my first advocates. <laughs> and, and there's that gradual release where I was able to learn how to advocate for myself. Um, and then when I would take on my first classroom, I would understand without a shadow of a doubt what it meant to advocate for my students. Um, and learning how to advocate for my students, understanding the necessity of the advocacy for opportunities for my students also drives who I strive to be as an administrator. Um, and that means changing the environments so that those opportunities are innate. And that's when students get to school, they don't sit in seats ready for the fight to access what they're already entitled to. They get to enjoy and embrace opportunities. I love that, how your parents' life experiences and the way that they helped raise you up into this 
strong voice um, and courageous voice, honestly, for advocacy and equity and education is such a powerful thing. And I just know that your impact has been great. It's going to continue to be great. And so thank you for giving us those pieces of your story. I think it's so cool. And I also know that one of the things that you do in regard to being courageous is using your voice strongly for advocacy. So I'd love for the listeners, not only, I mean, superintendent being your day job, that's enough, but you, (laughs) you also have a really beautiful message and you've been doing equity work for quite a little while. So do you want to speak about that? Maybe, you know, you said once you were in your classroom, you knew you'd be advocating for students, but what got you to bring your voice further out of the classroom and broader with the work that you do? Yeah, that that's that's a funny story. And I and I um, depending on the context, I often start with that when I am speaking to audiences. Um, I, I um, am blessed to serve in a race and equity space and helping schools, um, teachers and leaders understand how racism manifests in their environment and how to address address inequities even beyond inequalities. Um, And I have been, I I was called to that work in a space of avoidance. So when I, (laughs) when I stand in front of audiences, I applaud them for their courage um, because I came into this space by way of my dissertation research, which um, by way of the example of my mom and my pastor and my community was investing in tackling the issue of the academic achievement gaps. So I set out to understand perceptions of the academic achievement gaps and how they inform how we go about addressing them in the educational setting. And there was all of this racial context, racist comments, um, racist undertones, impacts of racism, And so I stood at my defense and I went through the whole thing and I finished and my committee asked, said, why are you not addressing this? And I told them, I said, you know, this is not my framework and I'm trying to graduate. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, my committee said, go back. Um, This will be your platform. And I am ever so grateful Um, to my committee at North Carolina State University, because it has for the past 12 or so, I mean, eight or so years, I finished in 2012, past eight or so years has definitely been the platform um, and and space that I've been able to share, not only what I've learned through that process, but what I'm continuing to learn by living in this space. I imagine, and I know because we've had some conversations about this now that given the circumstances you've been out there for all this time doing this passionate work and clearly your voice is meant to be there. And then all of a sudden you have um, this last year and just the veil really being torn from so many people's eyes who may have not been willing or able or interested in seeing the systemic racism that's, you know, in our systems, in our schools. And so would you just share a little bit about what that's been like for you with, um, with that experience Maybe, uh, especially after since the incident with George Floyd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's 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 George Floyd. There's, you know, Ahmaud Arbery. There's Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, that list is too many to name um, and leads to a heart 
faithful to bear. Um, mm. But, and, and I struggled. Um, I struggled, you know, in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, so much conversation about self-care. And it was even in a different space that I was asked to share. And somebody said, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? And it was um, the Sunday after the reports in, in our community had come out about Ahmaud Arbery. And I just, I became very frustrated. Um, said, you know, taking care of myself is taking care of my family and taking care of the people that I love. I said, so to put this in context for you, we're sitting at, in my home with my family, um, you know, enjoying each other at the time and just happened to pick up your phone very casually and see that another black man has been killed in the streets senselessly. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the moments of joy that you are just experiencing at the table become moments where you have to, one, make sure that they are okay. Um, and, and, and being okay is, is not that the sympathetic ear, it's, you know, walking through the emotion of, you know, yet another, another life that really could have been any cousin or any brother, any uncle, any father, um, and continuing to have that conversation. Um, and, and it's to a point where you don't know these families, but you grieve with them every single time. Um, and so it's walking through the moments of grief. It's walking through what does this mean for us and sitting in that constant space. So that that bore um, that that weighed very heavily on on me in a space where I'm looking, you know, at my family member in the face and just in awe um, and having the conversations that we end up having post every time one of those reports come out. Um, but also it became, you know, you were seeing all of the statements and things and very much so appreciate um, the sentiments and definitely appreciate the action. But that was where um, my heart went, especially serving a community that is majority minoritized and marginalized scholars. And so at that moment, in those moments, resolving that we will be a part of the change. You know, there's nothing that, that I could write in the atmosphere that would take the place of helping our scholars understand their value in the world, um, the love that they should and could and, and will experience in this world when we create the change that is needed their opportunity to create the change and the hope that we all need to keep as we pursue better. And so we set out in our school community, and I remember just as clear as day, we start in July and just sitting in front of our team and saying, we will not be the team that acts like 
this summer didn't happen. And even beyond the pandemic, you know, we won't be the team that will allow our black and brown babies to come and sit in these seats and act like they haven't been impacted. And we will be the team that supports them and helps them not just through, but understand their avenues, understand their space and place in this world, and not even beyond understanding it, making sure that they see themselves in it and giving them that affirmation. That's so powerful. So thank you so much, Dr. Shante, for sharing that personal level. It's like um, being there with you and feeling that, that when you are courageous enough to use your voice in a space that is so important and meaningful as an educator, but also um, at that intersectionality of you as a human and your spirit and your humanity is really beautiful. And I would, I think that's, uh, probably a huge contributor to why you're so powerfully authentic in your message. And I just want to thank you for doing this work and for sharing it here. Well, I I also want to make sure that the listeners know who they've got. I mean, you are an ASCD faculty member and you just published a a story, right? In the um, educational leadership magazine. You want to talk just a little bit about that and using your voice there? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, it's probably one of one of the most exciting things um, or pieces that I've written of late or period. Um, and it's, you know, I, yes. And I'll talk about that from the perspective of um, I gave my mom a framed copy of the article um, because my mom being an educator and administrator, educational leadership magazines were all over my home. <laughs> all the time, you know, she was all in it, right? Um, and and lo and behold, you know, I would be reading them too on a monthly basis. Eventually, in my life, um, and and it's just one of those things, you know. I've I've brought I've taken her with me on the road, and when we get to the educational leadership booth, you know, she's oh, I love educational leadership, um, and so that was just a point of pride. Um, that I wanted to, to share with her. Um, and I also gave a frame copy to my sixth grade um, math elective teacher um, because I used my experience, not just as con- in his classroom, not just as context for my career, but as context for that article. So the article is titled Relevant Curriculum is Equitable Curriculum. And it walks readers through what it, um, and it's written in the context of the story. So what I hope readers gain is what it looks like, feels like, and sounds like to provide students with a curriculum beyond the textbook that uses their lives as context and creates equity and equitable classrooms um, through that work. So it's been, um, to give that to Mr. Bryant the other day was absolutely amazing. I give a huge shout out to his um, principal, Mr. Duvall, who I was able to email and say, I wanna do this and he was all in and um, we get there. and, And Mr. Bryant completely stole the show 
You know, I had a whole <laughs> thank you speech. And so, you know, here's the deal. As much as I recall in that article, he recalled even more. Um, and, you know, thinking about the number of, of students he's taught over the last several decades since I was in his class. I mean, even quotes that my mom said about me as a kid, you know, and that just speaks to, to the value of the, to exactly the value of what he provided when I was in his class, right? You know, decades later, you still remember how my mom talked about me as a child in your class. <laughs> and you teach hundreds of kids a year. But to that point, you know, Mr. Bryant knew our neighborhoods. He knew how to communicate to us in the context of, you know, where we lived, um, notable uh, community members that we could reference, um, notable community members that we could see were all a part of our space in the math learning. And I don't think I wrote it this way in the article, but one of the things that I told him when I had the chance to see him was, you know, I came into your class with a narrative of all the things that I couldn't do. And from day one in your classroom, I knew that I could. I said, and then I had to think about it because in that space, it didn't make Shantae Garrett special because there was no doubt that everybody in that class could. And we were a community of achievers because you told us we were. Um, and so it was it was an amazing um, experience. As a matter of fact, that's what my Facebook post is. It just felt amazing. Um, <laughs> That it sounds absolutely awesome. And I love how you, you threaded in the fact that you're seeing these magazines and just that pride that your mom gets to see that. And then you went above and beyond. I mean, you could have just <laughs> sent a message to your teacher saying, Hey, guess what? I'm featuring you, but it just shows your um, next level leadership and the value that you place on people too, um, which is, that's your impact, you know, and that's really beautiful. Well, yeah. You know, in, in that moment, <laughs> that I was trying to give something to him. He gave so much more um, to me. And I, I feel extremely blessed that I would have those examples of educators in my life. You know, and that every time you open your mouth, you, you're giving something away um, that that supports and makes people better. What a beautiful um, image to strive for, you know, as educators and as people. That, that humility and that joy. And I love that your teacher, I mean, that he was still teaching. I mean, it's just so cool. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because it was a remote learning day and we always remembered him like being pristine. He always got in front of us with, with, with shirt and tie and I mean, never wrinkled, just never. He was the image of excellence for us. And it's a remote learning day. And you know, you're not sitting in front of the, the screen with, with students. And I get there and he is in his shirt and tie and pristine. <laughs> Classic. Oh, that's awesome. If nothing else, very consistent, right? That's so yep, cool. Right, yeah. 
Oh, okay. Dr. Shante, I just have so much respect for you and your work, but I wanted to make sure that we um, delve into this part of the conversation to bust open some archetypes or some ideas that people have about leaders. Because one of the things that I find truly fascinating about you is not only your work that you do um, as a superintendent, which gender and race intersects in a way that makes you a great uh, leader as representation, right? Because we know that um, right there alone, you're already representing and being one of few. But I also love that you've gotten out there and you're sharing this beautiful message of equity and your courageous voice and powerful voice and the authentic voices out there in so many different spaces. But one of the things that you talked about with me last time when we tried to (laughs) have this conversation the first time was the fact that you're an introvert. And I just (laughs) love this so much because I think that so many people have this idea about what, um, you know, a superintendent looks like, what a leader looks like, what a keynote speaker looks like. And we have these preconceived notions that there's only one type of person that can do that. And I just love the fact that you identified that you're doing this self-awareness and you identified as kind of new learning, but powerful learning and how you're able then to lead more authentically and stronger. And um, I just would wondering if you'd go down that road with me and what you've learned and what you'd like to share with listeners about that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, as a matter of fact, we, we had a um, conversation I shared with you. We, we did our leadership um, team today and we had conversations about introvert and said, you know, um, I've, I've found a, a blog that I enjoy that's helping me embrace that. And every time I share something to my Facebook page, I always hashtag it the introvert advocate. because mm-hmm. um, That's who I have learned to be. Um, but, but yeah, I am. And, and yes, that is atypical and, you know, it hasn't come without its, its scars as well in this world that's socialized to extroverts or this image of extroverts. Um, you know, nobody's probably going to guess that after this podcast, I'm going to go home and crash. Because I'm stealing all your energy after your long day of retreating and then having to talk to me, you got to restore it. <laughs> right. um, but you know, but there's something to be able to say that's who you are out loud. Um, and begin to build your community, truly build your community around that. Um, and so for me, it is honoring who I am in the spaces that I enter, but I can't do that without learning to acknowledge the other um, members of the community. Um, and so while I am communicating what I need, it's also um, understanding and embracing what they need so we can come to a medium. It is it is extremely funny. You know, I can pull entire team together, elementary, middle, and high school, and the day is what the day is, and I can walk into the room and start that agenda immediately and probably about three minutes. And it never fails. It probably happens like every other month. And I'm looking out and I'm like, y'all, I'm sorry. Good afternoon. And the room will bust out laughing, right? <laughs> and then following that is, you know, thank you for embracing my humanity. Right. Um, because I, I'm, I'm naturally wired to to let's do this business, um, you know, and come here to do what, what we've come to do. Um, but recognizing 
that there are some folks that need you to stop and say, how are you doing? <laughs> we, we had that joke, you know, you can walk into a room. Uh, one of the team members mentioned today that, you know, there's just certain of us that we can walk in and discuss what we need to discuss and walk out. And then all of a sudden turn around and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't say good morning kind of deal. Um, but it is, it's, I, and I think that's been one of the, the pandemic um, blessings for me is to really understand um, more strongly what what I need um, that allows me comfort in the ways that I'm different because I am an introvert in these spaces. And, you know, I, I thank my mom and my dad, you know, because they made sure that I um, could step on stage. You know, I was reciting um, scriptures and participating in church plays. And I've been delivering, you know, public addresses since I was 12 years old, you know. Um, so I, I developed the skills. It was the desire that I had to develop um, to, to utilize those because naturally as an introvert, what I, I couldn't understand my discomfort at that age, but I've come to learn and acknowledge it as energy. You know, what's, what's exhausting me, what's taking, you know, what's taking a lot out of me. Um, what is actually, um, causing the anxiety around what I'm being asked to do right now. Um, and I, I have grown in my comfort with saying no to a lot of things so that I can get what I need as an introvert. You know, if I need time and I need space, then I've learned to say no, even if it's a family holiday. Um, that's, that's the processing time. And that's, that's, those are the things that, that I need. And I've, I've learned to be okay with that because it creates a healthier me on the other side of it. Um, and I've learned to say yes to making sure that I do the things that make me feel cared for as an introvert. I think we could probably spend a whole podcast episode on this and I'm so grateful <laughs> that you were willing to share and listeners, you know, if you haven't studied this idea of introvert extrovert, it's a really critical one. And, and honestly, I do believe that just think about it. Leaders at all sorts of levels, if we lack the self-awareness or because we're, we spend so much time studying and reading and learning about systems and change management and all these other issues that are very critical, right? But, but do we spend time digging into ourselves that we can understand our impact and how we react and, and all of these different things to be able to follow that advice, you know, <clears throat> to sum it up, you were talking about self-care. Well, you, if you don't know yourself and, and how to care for yourself, then you, you're kind of missing the point, right? Like I think about how you, what you just shared about learning what to say yes and no to, I think people can tell us all the time to, well, and I coach people all the time about figuring out what yeses you're going to give and what no's you're going to give. But until you understand the impact of what those mean in your life, they're not going to hit as strongly. And so I think it's really cool to hear that you've come through this and that you are learning to preserve yourself and your spirit and your humanity by doing those things so that you can serve stronger and continue to do so. And that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a tremendous, um, a tremendous blessing 
Um, and, you know, and doing the, the, the research to understand, like I said, I've, been, I've started enjoying a lot of blogs and things that talk about research, talk about introverts, um, you know, just because there's just some things that, um, you know, in a space where, especially in, in schools, right, where everybody has to be on all the time um, and very extrovert driven, you know, there's there's mannerisms and and things that you have that that are really, um, you know, built as you communicate it to preserve yourself. That you spend a lot of time being mindful of, but you can be mindful of them in the wrong ways, it, rather than you know how how do I um, communicate this energy, you know, without making sure that I offend. Um, you know, versus feeling as though you have to be somebody completely different. That's so good. And I'm thinking about um, to an evol- vulnerable moment here. I'm classic extrovert. And, you know, <laughs> Dr. Shante and I talked about that where this pandemic has really done a number on me, um, <laughs> my energy stores, because I'm the, I need people, um, you know, to to gain my energy. But I think back to my own leadership and it wasn't until, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but leading buildings for six years. And I knew introvert, extrovert, I'm married to a classic introvert that is a sociologist and knows everything about it. (laughs) But my ears were too busy buzzing as the extrovert to listen, maybe. But um, I didn't understand what knowing and understanding and acknowledging and helping everyone feel included would would be like as a leader and how important it is to you know see that maybe you're getting a mixed signal from a staff member you think they're they're standoffish with you but really they just really need some space right like they need processing space they need they judge and perceive things differently and I, it just it sounds foolish but i know enough leaders that don't spend time looking at that on their team and and not only just their own self awareness but awareness of others, you know, and how others operate. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I love the, I'm, I'm loving the way that I'm, I'm um, learning to advocate for myself as a leader. And that means, and, and I'm a, you know, a, a precisionist and a former math teacher. So, you know, I tell people very linear, you know, <laughs> It, it lends itself, but it's also giving yourself permission to provide the clarity of what you need, right? So I can communicate to our team. And then I think that they know when, when you know, we're having conversation, you know, you got to bring me the details and I can communicate that out loud or, you know, communicate preserving my personal spaces you know, those types of things where, you know, it may feel like extroverts, like give up, give it all up. But yeah, but learning how to advocate out loud and up front has been a tremendous, a tremendous, um, tremendous blessing for me. And, and, you know, when you see folks um, understanding you, I'll never forget um, being at one of the ASCD conferences and I'm in a group with, you know, that's kind of the space where we meet up couple of times a year, whoever's going to be where and sitting at the table. And I think I had probably done two presentations already that day. And one of, one of our colleagues look over like, are you okay? Like, I know you're an introvert. Are you okay? <laughs> like, like, yes. 
You got about one more hour, but yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Batteries on low. That's so awesome. Oh, Dr. Shante, thank you so much for going down that path. We really covered quite a few areas. Um, And I just wanted to to put a pin in that is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of courage to dive into ourselves and to understand that and then also to apply it. You know, it's one thing to have knowledge, but application is really what brings about the transformation into our best versions. And I just find it beautiful to know that you're willing to share this, I mean, it's sort of a struggle, but not really, but just that courage to embrace who you are and then to just keep moving those steps forward to use your voice. Um, because introversion doesn't mean that you can't be a dynamic speaker. Introversion doesn't mean that you can't lead. It just means that you need to store your energy in a different way, restore it, right? And I just yeah, think that's, absolutely. you know, it's a good myth to bust. And um, I'm glad we went there. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, I have my two standard questions to ask you, and I'm dying to know what your answers are. Are you ready for those? Oh, oh my. Yes. Okay. So if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Um, at any age or stage, and I think this is probably covering the multitude, but it, it probably resonates with me the most collectively right now. And it's one, you know, it would be first, you know, girl, you're okay. (laughs) You know, you're different and different is okay. Enjoy being different. There's one thing to be popular, but it's so much better to be respected. You will be okay. I think the next part is to um, value mentorship and understand feedback and guidance in its context. There will, when you value mentorship, it's a great guide. It's great information for folks that have, from folks that have gone before you or who you consider to be experts living in a space. And that's great information to have. But there's going to be a time where God is telling you that this is your path. And it's not going to be something for everybody else to know. That's between you and God. So understand when you are being led and tugged, and we know that we develop in our relationship with God, but when you're being led and tugged or things are not aligning the way that the world and even people that you respect are telling you that they should, Grow closer to God, get close, stay close, and follow exactly where he's taking you. Because when you do that, the doors will open in ways you never imagined. That's so beautiful. And I'm not surprised that you had so many deep things to say there. Um, Your well of wisdom is deep, my friend. Um, how about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? Um, and I, one of my my go-tos 
is going to be scripture, absolutely, um, and prayer. And I think behind those is gaining clarity on what it is that's causing that fear and what it is that's causing that doubt. Um, just be very clear. It's, it's, a, it's a very challenging space to move in fear. And take the time and take the energy once you understand where those fears and where those doubts are coming from to create the clarity. And it doesn't mean that when you get clarity, you won't be uncomfortable. And it doesn't, and clarity doesn't mean that you actually know what's on the other side. Clarity just means that you understand the steps that you need to move forward. And that clarity may be research, it may be mentorship, whatever it is that you need to become clear. I didn't say comfortable, but clear. (laughs) I love that. It's so good. And I think it ties so well with so much of what we've talked about today. So I know it hit listeners right where they needed it. Thank you so much for that. Oh, thank you. It's been, that's, those are interesting pieces to think about. (laughs) Oh, they're my favorite. I love them every time. And I always love hearing what guests have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So how about this? Um, I know that listeners are going to want to get in touch with you and I will of course link your website. I will link your social media handles, but what is the best way for them to get in touch with you if they want to interact with you after this um, interview? Oh, sure. Social media, email, um, I'm at Dr. N.C. Garrett, everything. (laughs) So I'm extremely easy. And through my website, any of those avenues will get you um, access to me. And I love to be able to connect. That's great. So not only to connect with you as an awesome, faith-filled, spirited, courageous leader, but if you're looking for um, an exceptional um, person to speak to equity, you can utilize Dr. Shante's services and I'll make sure to link her website so you can know how to get a hold of her. Well, I appreciate you, Sarah. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for this awesome interview, my friend. Well, it's it's been a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to reflect and connect with you and your awesomeness. You know, there's, there's not a lot of spaces um, that marry the faith that it takes to lead Um, And so since finding you in your space, um, I have absolutely enjoyed having community. So thank you. Thank you for being such a blessing. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.